Hello, and welcome to the official podcast for the 31st Annual FIRST Conference. We're looking forward to welcoming you to the conference in Edinburgh, Scotland, 16th through the 21st of June. I'm your co-host, Chris John Riley. And I'm your other co-host, Martin McKay. Thanks for listening. talking to the CTO of VMRay, Ralph Hund. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome, Chris. Thanks for Pleasure to talk to you. I mean, we've, we've touched base with VMRay a number of times over, over the last couple of years, but this is the first time we've had you on the show, so we're really uh, looking forward to chatting about some of the more technical aspects of VMRay and some of the, the new releases that you've had come out. Perhaps you can start off by kind of diving into a little bit about you know, where VMRay has moved over the last year or so, and then we can dive into some more technical topics. Yeah, so VMRay as a company, we are right now um, soon having our sixth anniversary of the company. Uh, we uh, started as um, yeah, a cybersecurity company focusing on providing anti-malware solutions. Our core technology is um, a hypervisor-based sandbox. It has ever been that, and it's still the core of, um, yeah, core of our technology and where we're build, building products around it. Over the last year, we've um, yeah, specifically focused on extending our capable or analysis capabilities onto um, new operating systems such as macOS, malware, um, porting our technology to to, to analyze macOS malware. Um, we also introduced an, a new technology in order to analyze web um, threats, so um, a special web engine that is able to catch all of the behavior of potentially malicious websites such as um, phishing websites and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, we're also we're constantly improving our technology. Um, we're also offering um, a lot of protection-based solutions in the future, such as email gateway protections or web threat detections. And that's what we're also moving into. It sounds interesting. So, as a lot of these kind of protections using the same underlying technology, so an abstraction layer, running things in a VM. Obviously, that has a, a multitude of different use cases, but it's interesting to see how you can do so many different things with that same underlying technology. Uh, yes, I mean, in the end, um, if, if you look at look at it from an, a simple perspective, then um, it, it's a technology that allows you to analyze files and all kinds of analyze malware, all kinds of malware, even evasive malware. And um, since this uh, has become um, yeah, more and more a big problem uh, recently over the last years that malware is getting much better at evading um, detection technologies. I think this is usually where, where our technology comes into place because uh, we have sp- specifically built that um, technology to cope with that problem. So I, I guess by what you're saying, malware has moved beyond the point where it's checking simple things to see whether or not it's in a virtual machine. It's, it's kind of morphed to, to something that's slightly more advanced and using uh, better detection mechanisms. Is that right? Yes, exactly, um, especially for, for sandboxing itself. Um, I mean, I guess in order to understand um, how, this all, how this all works, I think it, it kind of makes sense to, to go back a bit and, and just quickly go through the history of all of this, of malware itself, because I think then you can understand where we currently stand. So in the beginning, with the first malware being um, spread in the wild by people who were sitting in their basement and uh, were just interested in this as a hobby, um, the moment these kind of malware files turned into a a commercial problem for organizations who suffered um, losses because of computers being infected. This is where AV popped up. Um, the AV industry provided a solution in order to cope with this kind of malware by statically analyzing it. 
Um, this basically means that you have an Entos agent running on your computer, which checks files in the background. The AV engine then, traditionally, it ships with a signature database of known malicious files. And um, as soon as it sees a signature, as, as it matches a signature on your computer, that file is being uh, detected. Uh, it also ships with various kinds of heuristics um, in order to catch other kinds of stuff, although that's kind of limited. Some AVs even have sort of dynamic um, approaches, but given that an AV engine only has maybe a couple of milliseconds or so in order to decide whether something is, is, is good or bad, um, that's always limited. So um, as always, like the bad guys knew that, of course, know that these protection solutions exist, so they came up with AV evasion techniques. This basically means that Malware authors try to encrypt their their samples or pack their samples. Every time when they when they infect the system, they re-encrypt the malware ideally, so that it looks different on the outside. The hash is different, but on the inside, still the same malware. It still does the same same thing. It's like if you want to uh, uh, hear an analogy, it's like with a real virus that changes its shell on the outside, but it still does the same things. So. By changing its look, it basically bypasses your immune system, but then still is able to carry out um, its, its, its malicious activities. This obviously makes it significantly harder to detect using traditional mechanisms. Exactly. Because in order to detect that, still, um, you need to do computational heavy things, and you cannot do that on an end host. As I said, you just have a couple of milliseconds, let's say, in order to draw a conclusion. It's just it's, it's not enough. So this is where sandboxing uh, um, came, in, came in, basically. This is why it was invented. Because the idea there is that um, instead of statically analyzing the file, you take it, you take that sample, you execute it in an isolated environment, usually a virtual machine, and then um, you monitor what's going on, and you base your judgment in the end on the monitored behavior that you see. And um, this has the big advantage that um, a, a, mal a malware, a malicious file, per definition, has to do something malicious. So as soon as it, as it exhibits malicious behavior, you can detect it. And by doing that, you can detect new stuff. You, just, you can detect any kind of new malware if you see that it is doing something malicious in the sandbox. That's the big advantage of it. So, uh, and now we are approaching the current state, basically. Uh, of course, again, in this entire cat and mouse game, the, the malware authors realized that and sandboxes have become more prevalent. So they came up with sandbox evasion techniques. Yeah? And, and these techniques yeah, are getting increasingly sophisticated. The interesting thing is, if you take a look at it, if you compare sandbox evasion with AV evasion, basically the roles have changed. Because in AV uh, evasion... You have the defender, the AV, who tries to detect the attacker, the malware. But in sandbox evasion, the attacker tries to detect the defender. Because the idea is that as a malware, if you realize that you're running in a sandbox system, you just, you just don't exhibit your malicious behavior. And that means that the sandbox cannot detect you, or at least it's much harder for the sandbox to detect what's going on. It's an interesting juxtaposition because in those kind of environments, the the sandbox only has to have one small bug for you know for the malware to be able to to detect it, right? So you're reversing that logic where previously any kind of malicious activity that you could detect would trigger the warning. Now any kind of uh, failure in the sandbox is going to result in the malicious activity never occurring. Yeah, for sure, and um, I think. There are different kinds of evasions, and um, the most effective uh, and most efficient kind of 
evasion is also by trying to directly make use of these bugs or trying to directly detect artifacts of the sandbox. Because as I've said, um, there, is, um, there is a monitoring engine that needs to monitor what is going on in this isolated environment in which the sample is executed. And uh, with a lot of sandboxes, this monitoring engine, it's essentially it's some kernel driver or it's some hooking, D some DLL, some library which is loaded in the system. And it is inside the same system in which the sample is analyzed. So the sample can directly detect that there is some component in the system which comes from a malware and then it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, that, That's the most effective way in order to detect that you're running in a, in a sandbox. So looking at, at some of the more sophisticated malware, are you actually able to detect malware is, is trying to do something funny within the sandbox purely by looking at the kind of detections that it, it's trying to, to find, right? So if it's trying to you know, look at all your hid devices to try and find correlation between what mm -hmm. it's seen before in sandboxes, can you then use that to say, we don't know what malicious activity this this sample is trying to do, but we know that it's trying to detect a sandbox, and that itself is is a malicious activity. Exactly, yeah. That, that's still the big advantage that you have um, as a sandbox. So you can still detect that um, something that if 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 a sample does exactly what you just described, so if it enumerates our processes and checks whether they match a certain string, because that that is um, the string that a sandbox monitoring engine process has. If you see that, you can still say. Um, that this this sample tried to detect um, a sandbox, and usually there there are not a, a lot of benign use cases for this. Uh, nevertheless, there are some though. So, um, for example, there is some legitimate software which uses um, anti-DRM code, so co for copyright protection. Sometimes this also happens in these kind of um, these kind of scenarios, but it's less common. So, in general, if you see a sample that tries to detect whether it's in a sandbox, and then shortly afterwards terminates. Um, you kind of know what's going on. That's right. So with this constant cat and mouse of, of you know, malware getting smarter about sandboxes and obviously the sandboxes getting smarter, is this likely to ever end or is this now the battle that we're going to be in for the next five to ten years? Um, there is a technology solution in the end. And this is exactly why also VMware was founded. It was the entire idea behind it when um, Carsten Willems, the other co-founder, and me founded the company. We have we both have a lot of experience with various kinds of sandboxing technologies. Um, we, we developed several uh, sandboxes or were part of the development of several sandboxes in the past. And from all of that, during our PhD days, we basically came up with a new idea, which is that um, you, you analyze malware out of the hypervisor, completely out of the hypervisor. This means that the monitoring engine, it's not running inside the virtual machine in which you do the analysis. It's running on the outside, uh, inside the hypervisor. And um, the CPU provides you capabilities so that the, the monitoring engine is transparent to the VM. The VM cannot directly see that it's running inside of a sandbox. And uh, this inherently uh, fixes most of the sandbox evasion problems, especially this direct detection problem that I talked about, which is the easiest and most effective way for a malware author in order to detect that he's running in a sandbox. So as there is no artifact in the virtual machine anymore, you, you cannot directly detect that you're running in a sandbox. So in order for this to be successful, it's very much been a case of the, the software and the hardware working in parallel to you know, achieve that kind of level of transparency mm -hmm. where you can run these without it looking like it's in a virtual box. Exactly. And especially the hardware part is also important because um, there are different kind of sandbox evasions. The first one is basically what I described. You try to detect direct artifacts. 
however, there are also other kinds of detections which are performance-based. So this is also interesting. And um, the idea is that there are some sandboxes which also do not have any software running inside the virtual machine, but they are based on full system emulation. So they emulate the entire system, including the main CPU. That means they have full control over the system. They can analyze the file without having something inside that emulated system. However, that's pretty slow. Um, it's, not, it's not pretty slow. It's actually very slow. So if you emulate everything, that causes a, a huge uh, performance degradation. And as a, as a malware author, you can just assume that, well, I, I, do, I do some timing checks. If I see that I'm in a system which is really, really slow, then, well, I can just assume that I'm running uh, in some sort of sandbox. This is not a potential victim that I want to infect. Going back in my my memory from uh, a long time ago when I was looking at, at malware, some of the some of the checks were simple as if this is a single CPU system, then either I'm not interested in it because it's so slow anyway, mm -hmm. or this is very likely to be detecting malware through virtualization. Yeah, which is the third thing. It's good there to mention it. <laughs> That's the third category. <laughs> like you, and that, those were exactly the initial um, and uh, sandbox evasion checks. Um, people were just trying to check whether they are running in a virtual machine. Yeah. So those are basically VM detections. They are not sandbox detection. And this only works under the assumption that uh, a potential victim does not use your, your, your malware inside a VM, obviously. And that was a reasonable assumption um, a while ago, I would say. But it's getting also less, um, yeah, less and less relevant because a lot of computers and organizations are kind of virtualized and... Um, just assuming that you're in a virtualized system, uh, it's usually for most of the malware authors. That's that's not a good, uh, that's not indicative of being a sandbox, and it's not a good thing because if you do it, then you you just shoot yourself in your own leg because you're not going to infect as many computers anymore. I mean, I guess one of the the side effects there is that you may end up infecting machines that obviously are doing some kind of analysis. But also, you may want to target your malware at people who are not technically savvy, so they may not. For example, if it's going to run in the sandbox or it's going to run in some kind of uh, virtualized environment, maybe those are users who are significantly more technically savvy and you might not want to actually end up infecting those users. It depends on, on, on what you want. I mean, you can also still, as a sandbox, you can do a lot of things in order to also cope with these virtualization um, detection techniques. Like uh, usually what people do is they they check for um, certain virtual strings in the registry, um, from certain emulated devices. So, the, for example, QMU is a very common emulator or VirtualBox or VMware. So if you just search for VMware in, in the Windows registry, you will see some artifacts there. But that's all also solvable in the end. So you can fix a lot of these things. Essentially, I think, though, it's, it's very hard to completely hide the fact that you're running in a virtual machine because there are always some traces um, left by the CPU or somewhere which can be kind of used. Yeah, it's kind of a losing battle at that point. If, you, if you're going to that extent to try and hide things, then you're probably better off with something that's more specialized. And, and you know, this is specifically targeted at the use case that you're aiming for, as opposed to running something like you know, VMware or VirtualBox. Yeah. So I, I guess the, the final question I have is, like, where are things heading now? I mean, what, what's the future hold for this? Hmm. Uh, is, is this? Are we going to be continuing the cat and mouse of, of continued improvements to detection? Or have we now hit the point where the attackers are going to have to come up with something significantly more interesting than what they've been doing in the past to be able to bypass these kind of new protections? I think, uh, first of all, it's always some sort of cat and mouse game. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think uh, still we are, we're still seeing a couple of very creative new um, evasion techniques from authors from time to time, which are really surprising. 
Um, so I think that that's just never going to end. I will always try to find some holes in order what to do, um, in order to, to evade something. It's hard to predict what is going on in, in the malware market. Um, I think in general, if you look far into the future from a technology perspective, what we might see at some point in the future is that we will see these uh, sandboxing-like technologies to move more on the Entos as well. So right now, sandboxing happens on a separate, isolated environment, as I said. I guess it would be cool to have some sort of these te technologies, even on an end host, such as where the AV engine runs. This, it has some disadvantages, but also a lot of um, advantages. Some EDR solutions are trying to get into that direction, but they're still like far away. I think right now the, mo the biggest problem is still performance-related because monitoring, doing this extensive kind of monitoring, it's just it's very CPU-intensive. And... Um, yeah, once we maybe have additional hardware support for a couple of things in the future, um, this might be might be an option. Traditionally, large large enterprises have always kind of shied away from too much on the endpoints because they they they've lived through the antivirus um, age mm. or where your antivirus would use 50% of your CPU and as much RAM as it could get its hands on. So they're very shy on installing new endpoint protection or new endpoint detection. I guess with the advent of this new hardware mechanisms making it a lot faster and a lot more streamlined we should start to see that kind of uh, mentality maybe drop by the wayside yeah i completely agree i mean i, I know that a lot of organizations that are scared of the deployment implications as well of having several end host technologies running and i know a couple of companies who do it like they have two or three avs running but um yeah it's the absolute exception yeah, that, that always starts to get messy when you get too many endpoint protections all trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with us. I, I really feel like I understand a lot more about uh, about VMRay and uh, and how it's doing detection of new evasive malware. So I appreciate the time to take a, a chat, and we hope to see you at the conference. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 31st Annual FIRST Conference. We look forward to seeing you at Edinburgh, June 16th through 21st.